but today, um, after forcing you to put your sunglasses back on because I'm wearing shorts, uh, and you're probably a bit of that in your family, uh, our new series is um, called Community Service. <laughs> now, before anyone takes anything too literally or uh, seriously, it's very tongue-in-cheek, okay? On the surface, it's really it's quite a simple idea. Uh, it's where it came about of two keywords. We've been talking about community all year. And I wanted to talk about uh, servanthood, service, uh, being a servant uh, for this series and uh, my simple word association, word connection brain goes community service. Uh, so in this series, we're going to talk about serving and being a servant in the kingdom of God. So my brain's not too complex in, in, in many respects, but I think there's also a, a, a degree of irony and something deeper that can be taken from the title uh, and the imagery and probably the inverse of that. Now, to some, when I mention the word uh, serve or serving or servant or servanthood, that might bring up some uh, negative connotations or negative experiences, maybe a cultural understanding or a history that might uh, bring up thoughts that you don't want to live. Uh, previous bad experiences with church teaching, uh, leadership, uh, hopefully in other contexts and not here. If it has been here, please let's chat afterwards. Uh, so your association with uh, serving or service might indeed feel like it was a sentence to be carried out. might have been a burden or an obligation, something that there was no option but this thing that you had to carry out. But I want to explore the idea of service and show that it is quite the opposite of a forced sentence. It is actually a path to personal freedom and community building. I also don't want this to seem like a hidden volunteer drive. Seen those before? I've been around, been around uh, church long enough. I've grown up in church. So in my 20 years of life, I've seen, seen a few of these. <laughs> I promise there won't be sign-up forms at the end of the series. On the contrary, at the end of the month, we actually want to be celebrating uh, and acknowledging uh, those serving in various ways in our community and, and highlight a few people in that instance. So please know that this uh, series, this message, comes not from my role in our church of helping plan our Sunday services and doing some of the rostering, uh, but from a lifetime of serving, as I said, I grew up in church and and seeing it as a pathway to personal growth, new relationships, opportunity, new skills, uh, it's created opportunity in career and work. So that is my heart. It comes from a lifestyle and a life lived of uh, hopefully what was servanthood, or still is, not dead yet. Some of, some of my earliest me me memories in church are of helping run the OHP, Remember the acronym? The overhead projector? Who else has run the overhead projector if you've been around church uh, pre-digital days? When I was, and I reckon I was doing this when I was quite young, probably when, about when I could barely read, just read enough to actually, vaguely know where I was up to on, on the songs. And then from there, I uh, helped in kids' church, and there's some 
memory gaps, but in, in my teens, I started helping with the kind of older primary, and then uh, as I was an older teen, I started helping out in youth and music and production, and, and never really stopped. And uh, here we are today, a couple of years later. Now, I, I don't really know how to be part of a church community and not be serving. For me, they are intrinsically linked. I'm part of the community, I'm serving in the community and helping build and be part of that community. So hopefully this is a nice addition to our community uh, theme that we've looked at over the year and as we uh, head into Christmas and Advent in December. Over the next three weeks, we're going to explore the topic of service and serving, looking at uh, ourselves and what having a servant heart or a mindset can do within us and in our world, and why we serve and, and who we serve, which is a great opportunity heading into Christmas. But today, I want to start with what being a servant is and the ultimate example of a servant, and that is Jesus. If we're going to talk about servanthood and being a servant, we're just going to get the foundation right up front. It's all about Jesus. So what is service and serving? Uh, one definition is work done for other people or for God and the worship of God. Service at its best is worship. Now a quick uh, word search on my Bible software says serve uh, appears 341 times in the Bible. Servant, 839 times. And as an example of a comparative word that we might use in our uh, vernacular today, volunteer appears. Anyone want to take a guess how many times that might appear in the Bible? Uh, a little bit more than the donut that Jordan was holding up. Five, five times. And often, uh, we're going to explore that in the coming couple of weeks, but uh, it appears in the context of within service, somebody volunteering out of that service. They are in they're in military service and they volunteer for a particular uh, opportunity or uh, campaign. <laughs> now, some characters in the Old Testament referred to as servants of God are people like Abraham, uh, Moses. Uh, the word servant or servanthood or servant of God in kind of variations, over 30 times he was referred to as a servant of God. Uh, Caleb who spied out the promised land, uh, came back with a positive report. David, over 70 times the most of anybody in the Old Testament. Isaiah, uh, Job and the prophets. These are some people in the Old Testament referred to as servants of God. So they kind of lay the basis of the type of people we're modelling after. The only thing all the servants have in common is that God chose to use them in a specific way for a specific purpose in the Old Testament. Being God's servant involved following his will and his chosen path. Uh, some of the Old Testament definitions of servant could be closer to slave. Uh, that's why there's so many of them. But we see in Jesus a flipping of this understanding and this power structure. And explore a little bit more of that uh, very shortly. So to add some more definition to servant, we're going to look at the life of Jesus and to understand the meaning intended in our context as Christians. So in Jesus, we're going to have a look at two things. What the Bible said Jesus would be like as a servant, 
in what he did and said. The book of Isaiah has many references foretelling the coming servant, being Jesus. And Isaiah lived around 700 years before Jesus did. So go have a look at some of those descriptions and there'll be a, a few references and some longer passages. So if you're taking notes, I'll give, go at a pace so you'll be able to note those down. In Isaiah 42, the, past, the, the section in my version of the Bible at least is titled The Servant of the Lord. Isaiah 42 verse 1. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break and a smouldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. In his teaching, the islands will put their hope. This is also quoted in Matthew 12, uh, chapter 12, speaking of how Jesus carried himself amongst death plots uh, by the Pharisees. And I, I found a quote in my research, and uh, I'm not a particularly academic uh, person, so Jazz, who's completing a master's, uh, I'm sorry, I don't have my uh, Harvard references or for this quote, uh, but almost more remarkable than the intensity of the task that a servant must perform is the description of the way he is to do it. He will move forward with absolute confidence, but nothing indicates strenuous effort will be needed. He will have such an understanding of his overwhelming power that he can be absolutely gentle as he does his work, even towards those whose efforts have failed. It's a great description of a servant leader, a servant king coming to serve people. He can move with absolute confidence. He's the king of kings, lord of lords. He will have such an understanding of his overwhelming power that he can be absolutely gentle as he does his work. It's a really interesting picture of how ability and authority are handled. And there's a longer passage in Isaiah 53, verse 2. He grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of dry ground, he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. Kind of the opposite of what you might expect of an earthly king with robes and jewels and crowns and palaces. Nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised. And we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. 
By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. Yet whoever's generation protested, for he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. It's a pretty powerful and accurate foretelling. And it almost sounds, if you're not familiar with the life of Jesus and the, the prophetic books, so accurate, it almost sounds like a poetic description of his life after the fact, uh, not up to 700 years before. Let's look at some more, a couple of quick ones. Some references in the ultimate act of service. Isaiah chapter 50, verse 6. I offered my back to those who bet me, beat me, my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. I did not hide my face from mocking and spitting. Isaiah 52, verse 14. Just as there were many who were appalled at him, his, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being and his form marred beyond human likeness. These things happened in his torture and execution and he did them for you and me in his ultimate act of servanthood. We're not going to say with the cross. We'll keep moving. Let's have a look at some New Testament references. Jesus said this of himself in uh, Matthew chapter 20, verse 25. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man... <clears throat> did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. It's a great uh, paradoxical statement, to use a big Pastor Chris word, of role reversal in leadership. Rather than exercising authority, a godly leader willingly became a servant of others, and they become a servant of others. Here's the son of God, not coming to be an earthly king and conqueror with servants, but he came to serve you and me. Jesus did not come into the world so that you could do things for him. He came into the world to minister and serve you, minister to and serve you. Reading more through the Gospels, we see that Jesus lived to serve. In John 4:34, my food, says Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me, and to finish his work. Jesus lives to do the will of his Father and not have his own agenda. He ministers, serves, and reaches out in a world of human need. Following Jesus' story in the Gospels, we see how he poured himself out day by day. He gave himself to the disciples and to the crowds. When confronted with human need, he did not walk away. He comforted those overwhelmed with sorrow. He ministered to children imparted his blessing into their lives. Even on the cross, he provided for the care of his mother. Wherever Jesus went, he proclaimed the good news, bringing hope, speaking the word of life. He did not come into the world for himself, but for us. He said in Luke 22, verse 27, I am among you as one who serves. 
His life was not for himself, but for us. His death was not for himself, but for us. His resurrection was not for himself, but for us. His ascension was not for himself, but for us. And his second coming will be not for himself, but for us. Some other examples of this leadership paradox or this inversion of what might be a typical structure um, or authority or power structure that Jesus demonstrated and talked about. In talking about the rich and the kingdom of God in Matthew 19, verse 30, he said, but many who are first will be last and many who are last will be first. And this principle comes about again in the parable of the workers in the vineyard in Matthew 20, verse 16. So the last will be first and the first will be last. It's a bit hard to escape this last, first, first, last thing. It comes up many times. Jesus is speaking in broad terms as he describes what people in power can be like. Uh, they can intimidate, they can choose to bully, threaten and seek to control. But in contrast, Jesus says to his disciples and to us, we are called to live differently. We must not follow the way of the world with structures of privilege, race, class, gender, culture, influence, politics, or religious elitism. Jesus says we are to be servants, following his example. He came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Thinking about all of our relationships, parent, child, wife, husband, church relationships, teacher, student, employee, boss. Do we need to refresh these and uh, think about any tendencies we might have to control and manipulate in those relationships? Instead, our focus should be on serving others, helping people to flourish and empowering everyone to honour, worship and follow Jesus. Are you, am I, a servant in the example of Jesus in your circles of influence? In what ways are you serving others as a neighbour, a friend, a spouse, a parent, family member, teacher or a church member? We are children of the Heavenly Father and disciples of Jesus who did not consider glory a thing to be grasped, but who humbled himself to die on a cross. And in our last passage to look at in Philippians chapter 2 verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Verse 6, who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He humbled himself as a man. He could have taken authority and position, but came, as we're coming up to Christmas, came as a baby in the most humble of forms. 
Now, before we finish something we do every week, I want to provide an opportunity because I've talked a lot about Jesus' servant and particularly what he went through on the cross. An opportunity to respond uh, and make the decision to have Jesus as, as Lord and acknowledge what he has done for us. Uh, in that Isaiah 53 passage, he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, the punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Jesus came to serve you and me, and he did so by paying the ultimate sacrifice so that we can have eternal life. But not just eternal life, peace in this life. Peace about current circumstances, peace about the future, and peace that comes from the freedom of sin. After hearing more about the life of Jesus today, something might have changed in your heart for the first time, or maybe you need to revisit that relationship. So I want to take a moment to give us the opportunity to make a decision to follow him today. I just ask everybody to close your eyes. And if you want to make that decision for the first time or maybe come back to him in a moment I'll ask you just to raise your hand simply so I can acknowledge that and then as a, as a group we're going to just pray together and then after the service we'd love to uh, pray with you and uh, help you in that decision so if there is anybody here that would like to make that decision for the first time to accept Jesus as Lord and Saviour and to acknowledge what he did on the cross and that he came to serve us and give us access to eternal life. Please raise your hand and I'd love to acknowledge that and then we'll pray together a simple prayer. The prayer can be quite simple. It can be as simple as a sorry, a thank you and a please. I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong and doing things my way. Thank you that you died on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven and set free. Please come into my life and lead me each day by your Holy Spirit. So if you didn't put up your hand or you want prayer for, for that, please do come forward at the end of the service. We have a couple of people who would love to pray with you that simple prayer of sorry, thank you, and please. You can all open your eyes, look this way. As I finish, I'm looking forward to next week to bring Jesus' example of servanthood to our lives individually and as a community and what that means for us and what we need to look at internally to overcome and the freedom that, that can bring being a servant. For now, what I want you to take away from this today to discuss in dinner parties, if you're going to the, uh, the family-friendly one this afternoon or on Wednesday night and the other ones, to mull over and meditate privately, is the life of Jesus the ultimate servant? What can his life example teach me? What does it mean in my world for the first to be last and the last to be first? Where can I bring that in to situations that, that's not currently the case? And what does being a servant mean to us and for us in our world? Awesome. See you next week.